everybody, and welcome to Wildstorm Addiction Podcast. This is episode number 40 for November of 2012. I'm Joe David Solis. And I'm Ben Murphy. You know, I, I consider 40 kind of a milestone. I mean, it's not like 25 or 50, you know, but I mean, it's it's still good, right? We're still on the air. <laughs> it's another decade. That's right. <laughs> so, um, so obviously, you know, every time we hit this, we always want to thank you guys for still listening. You know, we, I mean, we have still had an increase, you know, we've had, uh, I was, I think we kind of died there for a while, <laughs> but, uh, hopefully, hopefully we're still getting some new listeners and still going to promote here. And, um, so anyway, so just thank you guys for continuing to listen to us. So hopefully we'll have some titles to continue to review. <laughs> As you'll see tonight. <laughs> that poor Joe. Uh, remember, I think I kind of cursed ourselves. You know, I was like, you know, maybe one day we'll just be the Stormwatch podcast. <laughs> but because <laughs> apparently they're still good, according to some of the news we got out of New, uh, New York Comic Con. But anyway, let's 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 move on to the news. And um, but real quick, we will be uh, discussing later um, Stormwatch number thirteen, Grifter number thirteen, Ravagers number five, and Team Seven number one as well as some other Wildstorm appearances in the DCU New 52, and we do spoil them, so be aware. And um, so like we were, like I was just saying, uh, we did get lots of news out of uh, New York Comic Con, which just happened. And um, unfortunately, not the news that we wanted, <laughs> but we kind of saw it coming. But uh, January, we'll see the end of another wave of titles, and unfortunately, Grifter is on the hit list this month. And <laughs> as... Ben reminds me here in the show notes, announced on my birthday, no less. <laughs> so, You're welcome. It's like, thank you, DC. <laughs> but yeah, so he's going away. So is Blue Beetle, Frankenstein, Legion Lost. And um, so far, only two replacement titles have been announced, which is uh, Justice League of America by Jeff Johns and David Finch. And uh, the one that we had heard rumored, uh, which is the Man of Steel title by Scott Snyder and Jim Lee. Uh, so there's still two titles left to announce. Now, obviously, we would love the other one to be a Wildcats title, but you'll see why we kind of not crossing our fingers for that anymore <laughs> here in a second. But some other news that we did get from the solicitations, um, Exo Manowar writer uh, Robert Vendetti is going to be taking over Demonites with issue number 16, and it uh, fast-forwards the title 30 years. And I asked Vendetti on twitter if we'd see any of the century babies mentioned in stormwatch number zero and he said uh, not right away but maybe down the line so that's cool that at least he's considering that uh, we also saw on stormwatch number 16 on the cover we see apollo at midnight or duke in and out so we have yet to know if it's a lover's quarrel or if it has to do with harry tanner's manipulations i'm putting my money on the second one <laughs> But um, the solicit reads, don't miss the stunning and permanent transformation of a Stormwatch member. So we'll see what happens there. I, do, I did catch a quick blurb at Newsarama's uh, interview with Dan DiDio that they asked if Stormwatch is going to be more integrated into the New 52. And he said that they were, and that they were going to get a, uh, a roster shakeup, I think is what he said. So, so that's cool that they are trying to push that title a little bit more because, you know, Obviously, it's the next one that we're worried about after losing Grifter and Voodoo. We'd be down to uh, no titles from the original 52 launch at that point, if that were the case. And that would be horrible. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but we'll see. There, there, There is some hope here. I'm, I'm getting to it. So. I <laughs> uh, also want to mention that in starting with Ravagers number 8, uh, brings a new series writer, Michael Allen Nelson, 
Uh, he's done The Fall of Cthulhu and uh, 28 Days Later with uh, artist Ig Guara, which we've seen on Teen Titans filling in for Brett Booth a couple of times. And it features Rose Wilson and Warblade. Also, uh, the final issue of Legion Lost, which is number 16, will feature the Ravagers and Superboy. And I think the last few issues, I don't know if 14 does, but I know 15 does, uh, feature them. So hopefully I'll wrap up some stuff with Harvest and all that because I saw them on the cover. And Team 7 number 4 has the team facing Eclipso and reveals the secret origin of Deathstroke, possibly fixing the mess that was issue zero. (laughs) So bad. (laughs) So one interesting tidbit that was overlooked at NYCC, um, I actually just kind of found this by accident. It's from a website called comicsbeat.com. Uh, where they had a fan Q&A, and um, basically what they said was that the Jim Lee has two Wildstorm properties reserved for him, which is Wildcats and Divine Right, and that everybody keeps waiting for a Wildcats uh, title to relaunch, and it certainly seems like the groundwork was being laid, but it seems unlikely that will happen until his run on the new Superman title with Scott Snyder is over. So, um, And for some reason, they messed up the spelling of Wildcats. They They... They acronymed the wild instead of the cats, but whatever. <laughs> I think it's just a typo on their part. So, kind of a good news, bad news thing. Uh, you know, bad news because if he's doing Man of Steel, he's definitely not going to be doing Wildcats in this wave. But whenever they do, it's good that they have him reserved for that because that would be like an instant sell for that title. So, so there's hope, even if it's not as soon as we wanted. And it is kind of weird, yeah, that you would think that Grifter and Voodoo were leading into this. But now we'll just have to wait and see. So, um, Also, real quick, just wanted to mention something kind of cool for you old Wildstorm fans. I just got back from Dallas Comic Con uh, this weekend and got to meet uh, Will Sportaccio uh, in person for the first time ever. And um, really nice guy, but he's real quiet. <laughs> it was a lot to get him to talk. <laughs> and uh, I actually picked up something which I will put pictures of later on the site somewhere. It's a, it's an old um, Wildstorm Universe art portfolio that has the images from the covers that he did, the variant covers, when Team 7 first came out. Do you know which one I'm talking about, Ben? It was eight covers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a puzzle cover. Yeah, yeah kind of had the blue background going yep. on. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, well, I have those, but uh, I stupidly didn't take them with me. <laughs> but thankfully, he had this, and they're they're a little bit they're the covers, but they're like cardstock. They're a little bit smaller than the covers, and he just signed each one, and they still make the the puzzle cover. And oh, that's cool. Mine is only only ten bucks, so it's just like and getting them to sign all of them and. And I asked him, I was like, you know, hey, if uh, if the DC ever asked you to, I know you did what works back in 2006, and I'm like, you know, with the New 52, would you do it again? And he's like, sure. He's like, he's like, oh, but they have never called me. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, well, hopefully Jim will put in for you just like he did for Liefeld, because we know <laughs> she'll be much more reliable. <laughs> I guess they have enough dark uh, vampire titles right now. I know, right? Just put him on iVampire and bring Wetworks into that. <laughs> that would be really cool. Yeah, it would. So, anyway, I guess we should move on to the first review. <laughs> All right. First up for this month, we have Stormwatch number 13, released on October 3rd, written by Peter Milligan, with art by Will Conrad and cover by Gillam March. Uh, this issue starts off in London, and we are introduced to the Mallory House, which is titled as an unlucky building. 
it's basically an apartment complex um, that is haunted for the most part. And we uh, are entered into that building into a scene of a woman killing her husband uh, with obviously their child off behind them. And he's drawing demonic images and stuff on the wall saying that he mustn't say the naughty words. And he keeps repeating himself over and over again as he's like frantically drawing all over the walls. And basically a lot of bad people live in this building and they go down through this list of, of people that live in the building um, on each floor. Basically they, they jump around and talk about these people that, that aren't, aren't really good on, on the floors. And underneath this building, as they continue on from the top down to where they get to the basement, and then just below the basement, you see the demon sleeps buried beneath its foundation. And uh, he's dreaming of escape, basically. And you can see him lying horizontally um, just below the concrete basement floor, which is pretty cool. Yeah, he's obviously in hell at this point on his throne of skulls, which is pretty cool. Up above, we still see that that kid drawing all over the walls. And just so you know, I'm going to refer back to this kid because he comes up a couple times, and his name is Lazarus, just so you know, which is an interesting choice for a name. I totally missed that. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. Interesting. <laughs> so from here, after this introduction, we cut to... A pub nearby in London, and we have Apollo and Midnighter who are entertaining the idea of some R and R, but Midnighter has other other ideas behind that. It's really Apollo that is considering this to be a little break away from a Stormwatch since he hasn't had one yet since joining the team. Uh, but Midnighter is kind of fixated on the tension of a possible nearby brawl within the pub that. He's basically waiting to happen. And Apollo's kind of cheesed and annoyed that he can't just relax a little bit since, you know, they don't they don't get these breaks that often. And eventually Apollo keeps prodding Midnighter and you know, he finally admits that he had an ulterior motive um, in picking this location because he once worked the area before he joined up with Stormwatch and he mentions to Apollo that something's wrong with the the neighborhood and it, it kind of turns people from bad to even worse. So anybody that may be a, a petty criminal, you know, they're, they end up turning into murderers and, and the worse. So something about this area is emanating and causing this to happen. And then from there, we uh, jump on over to the eye of the storm in hyperspace and this is the Stormwatch headquarters. And we see Jenny, Quantum, and Jack Hawksmore. And they're kind of hanging out in the storage area where that big horn is. Can I interrupt you for a second and say, am I the only one who's tired of this horn already? <laughs> no, I was, I was just about to say that. I'm so sick of this horn. Because <laughs> it came out in, what did I tell you, last month, Superman number It was in the annual. Zero. It was in the annual, wasn't it? No, I think it's in zero because I actually didn't pick it up. But uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. I just about had it with this horn. I, I really wanted to blow up this time for real. <laughs> yeah, honestly. Anyway, go ahead. I, no, no, you're absolutely right because whatever they have planned, I cannot imagine it being this good that we really need this dumb tease over and over again for over a year. Like, when is the payoff coming for this 
ridiculous object. Anyways, so Jenny and Hawksmoor are trying to figure out what the horn is. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I guess they just joke that it's just a big, silly musical instrument. And then, uh, you know, Jenny kind of changes the subject. And Jenny asks Hawkmore why he's uh, basically with Stormwatch in the first place. Like, why did he decide to join up when they all kind of know what's going to come of them, I guess. And really, it's only Jenny that has an idea of the future of Stormwatch and, and that they're, they're all going to die and turn on each other and, and kind of mess things up. But before uh, he's able to answer her the engineer shows up to ask if they've seen Apollo and Midnighter. There's a weird little exchange where, you know, the engineer's kind of picking on Jenny, you know, for being a kid basically. And Jack was just there to be her babysitter. And Jenny's kind of annoyed about that because she doesn't feel like she needs a babysitter. And the engineer kind of scolds Jenny for playing with the horn and tells her to, to give it up, quit messing with her. And Jenny kind of off the cuff is like, she's a lot more surly since uh, she swallowed that devolver, you know, back against the... Uh, the hidden people? Yeah, the Neanderthals, the hidden people. But Jack thinks it's just from Lost Love, which would be Harry Tanner. Good segue. As we go to Antarctica, and here we see a very quick conversation between Harry Tanner, um, who is in the portal he made inside of the Fox uh, criminal and Emma, the projectionist. And they have a really quick uh, back and forth about love and trust. And in order to love, you definitely have to gain and earn trust. And they obviously don't <laughs> between one another. Um, but she does tell him to be careful and not to get caught because the, uh, the Shadow Lords have been known to be quite brutal as she's seen it herself with a uh, Adam one, but a funny exchange nonetheless at the end, after they think that they can't hear each other and they probably can't. Um, Harry calls her a treacherous little minx. And then Emma herself after the conversation ends, you know, calls out for him to see if he's still listening. And she turns around and calls him an arrogant bastard, which is, pretty spot on so they're so they're pretty much in love already i mean that's that's what i gathered so <laughs> yeah they're all <laughs> sounds, over. sounds like a normal relationship to me <laughs> they're all over each other um and here we flip back to london with apollo and midnighter and midnighter they they leave the pub and they're going down the street i don't know what's drawing them in this direction well i do know what's drawing in them in this direction i just don't know how they can tell, but Midnighter starts walking down the street and he sees a group of thugs and decides to beat the crap out of them as he does best. And Apollo's bitching the entire way as they go, like, wow, you really didn't care about getting any relaxation around here, did you? He powers up while he's there and they have a funny exchange about, you know, him wearing a suit underneath and Apollo calls him out on it and then, you know, couple panels later he powers up in his suits underneath his outfit as well so kind of silly um they go uh apollo picks midnighter up and they start flying away and there's another group of thugs uh attacking some innocent people and he uses his light to blind those thugs as they continue on and then we see a, a quick glimpse of lazarus 
um, that's the child that was in the Mallory house at the beginning of the story. And he's drawing in blood um, because he ran out of crayons and ink and he has to keep drawing so he doesn't say the naughty words. So just that quick little glimpse of him. And then uh, we see Apollo and Midnighter fly towards the Mallory house and they see that it's it looks like it's on fire, but it's not. It's just a mess around there. And then they hear a voice coming from it up ahead. And so they, uh, they decide to check it out and they fly into the room where Lazarus, I guess it's the apartment that Lazarus and his parents were in. And, uh, as they enter, Lazarus runs out of ink, you know, ink being his blood. So I guess he's about to drop himself since he doesn't have any blood left after drawing. And uh, he can't control his words anymore since he's not able to draw. And so he can't control his words when they show up. So he basically releases the demon by uh, saying the naughty words, which is concealed within the world of man, release the demon. <laughs> so now we have the, uh, the entrance of Etrigan back into this... Uh, this century and this universe, uh, this time period within the universe. And it's interesting because three people noticed the awakening of Etrigan. And I, I don't know if you know these people, Joe, I didn't. Yeah. yeah, It's, uh, it's Madame Xanadu first. She's from justice league dark and then the specter and then John Constantine, who's also from justice league dark. So, and, and I'm not even sure if they've introduced the Spectre in the New 52 yet, so I was kind of curious about that. I wasn't able to find anything on that. So I definitely didn't recognize the last two, um, but Madame Xanadu is in Demon Knights, so that wasn't a, a far stretch that she had. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. <laughs> so she's in two other books. <laughs> yes. So... Anyways, they all notice that Etrigan gets woken up and back and shoved back into the realm of the living, I guess. Um, pulled out of Hades. And uh, everyone outside the Mallory House building, I guess people just walking on the street, they all start shouting the naughty words as well and, and chanting those words um, to awaken the demon. And as they do that, you know, uh, Midnighters like... What's that smell coming? <laughs> I don't really like it. So he's definitely sensing uh, something coming. He doesn't know what it is. Um, but as Etrigan gets free, you know, he starts rhyming about being freed. And <laughs> he sees Midnighter and he, he rhymes about Midnighter's chin spike, which is goofy. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's got a hate on the chin spike. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the demon's rhyming as he's walking towards Midnighter and he just smacks him out of the way and <laughs> and uh he continues his rhyme as he looks up towards Apollo who's holding Midnighter in his grasp and he's talking about who his next kill is gonna be. So that's uh that's issue number thirteen, which kinda starts tying in demon knights and stormwatch uh as you know stormwatch number zero was a big uh skip through the ages of uh the demon knights and stormwatch as we now know those two teams and titles are technically one just uh spanning two different time periods so uh 
it was a good read. Uh, it was basically an introduction to Etrigan. If you know anybody reading Stormwatch wasn't following Demon Knights, which is also looking like it's going to be on the chopping blocks pretty soon here because the, it's not getting the numbers as well. Um, Which one, Demon Knight? Yeah. Or oh, yeah. Well, just a quick side note on that uh, that several websites brought uh, to my attention was that uh, yeah, Grifter was a low selling title, and so was uh, I think it was Blue Beetle, but actually Frankenstein and Legion Lost weren't. I mean, they were lower, but they were not next in line when you look at the sales. So so DC apparently is taking other things into consideration when they decide what to cancel. So that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, good point. And and who knows? I mean, maybe Demon Knights will stick around because they basically are the history of the DCU. So maybe they're just going to start, you know, skipping eras and things to make it more interesting, as we saw in uh, the Stormwatch Number Zero issue to kind of show that backstory in a broader, sweeping, you know, manner. What did you uh, think of the issue, Joe? Um, I kind of felt the same way. It was just a lot of setup, you know. In fact, I think overall this month, <laughs> I'm not trying to be a downer because of the whole grifter thing. Because this is the way I felt before they announced that. But it just seems like the books were not as strong as they were last month, which is kind of sad. Because you know, people who did give the zero issues a try, which by the way, all the titles had an up sale last month on their zero issues, including Voodoo, <laughs> who had already been announced that she was going away. <laughs> And more people bought her anyway, so that was cool. <laughs> I, I think, I, sadly, I think some of that is just due to people like collecting huge crossovers and and big, big events like that. Yeah. Oh, it's a zero issue. Better uh, bag and board it. <laughs> As if they didn't print a gajillion of them, and they're going to be worth anything. But whatever. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, I just uh, I I um I really don't know. I, it's hard because I know. I mean, obviously, you know, that's the title of the issue. It's, uh, what is it called? It's called The Rise of the Demon, Part 1, The Dreaming Tower. You know, so I assume maybe we'll get another, like, a six-part story. So I'm all for, you know, build-up. And, yeah, I guess uh, uh, I kind of have to take in consideration that uh, maybe this could have been a starting point because, you know, they kind of introduced, like you said, Etrigan the Demon. but you know, you you kind of. I think everybody says their name in here too. Is one thing I noticed. <laughs> you know, so so maybe he was trying to make it a little new reader friendly, but you know, also by the way everybody's talking and even Harry Tanner, you're like, okay, something's been or a lot's been going on, and I'm kind of curious. You know, and hopefully that'll drive people to go back and get back issues. And so, I mean, it was it was it was good. I I'm curious to see where it goes, and I mean. I'm not so sure that the demon will actually, you know, like become a member or anything like that. But apparently, whatever goes on here, like we talked about the solicits, it's going to start affecting the team and probably tear them apart. So, but yeah, other than that, I really, I just thought it was okay. I mean, it was a decent beginning for a new story arc. So yeah, same here. I mean, it it is a setup issue, um, but even still, you know, Stormwatch is written a lot differently than the other titles that we've been reading. You know, there's three different locations. There's a lot of characters that they still refer to. So even new readers, you know, there's still a lot of information that they kind of have to process and and understand. So 
um, it wasn't like there wasn't anything going on. Like all those threads are still up in the air. He's still making sure that we're paying attention to all of that. So I'm glad none of that stuff is falling away. Um, it's not just a linear um, book as we'll get in. As we'll soon see. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, and I, I kind of like, I, I want to see the Harry Tanner thing come to fruition already. So I'm glad that he finally seems to be going towards the Shadow Lord. So that's what I really have been waiting for, you know. But yes, linear books. Okay. Um, <laughs> that would be Grifter number 13, <laughs> which was released on October the 10th, which was uh, written by Rob Liefeld and Frank Thierry with art by Scott Clark on the cover. But on the interiors, though, it's um, Merritt Michaels, uh, who did one of the issues uh, a couple issues back. We also do get a new cover, thank God, <laughs> from Scott Clark to replace the one that Liefeld did. I mean, a lot of changes to this title because of Liefeld leaving. And uh, I did kind of ask Frank Thierry on Twitter about it. And uh, this is still both of you know them. That's why Liefeld's name's still on it. And I think he said number 15 is the first issue that he got to right by himself and then obviously 16 after that which is the last one so <laughs> oh, so it'll be guy. interesting to see huh? is it all poor guy <laughs> i know <laughs> so it'll be interesting to see because i was tweeting with him about this and i was like well i'm curious to see you know your work or i forgot how i phrased it and he's like well i've been writing comics for over 10 years you can see plenty of my work and i'm like yeah but i want to see what you do with grifter without life basically <laughs> You know, so we can see how much of what we were complaining about was him, or maybe you had a hand in it. I don't know. <laughs> so it's not going to matter. He's not going to have enough time to prove his case. So yeah. <laughs> so we have a crossover with uh, Stormwatch in this issue. It starts off by Grifter being in hyperspace, I guess, but somehow you can see the Earth, which I didn't think you could see the Earth from hyperspace, but whatever. <laughs> so. He's scaling, and you're really going to have to help me on this one because I, I went back and forth with people on this one about about the locations of this issue. <laughs> uh, he's breaking into the eye of the storm right now is what I got. <laughs> yeah, that's what I got too. Yeah. And not only that, he has skin that's exposed and his scalp is exposed. And from what I, what I understood, hyperspace is a space between worlds, but to me it's also space. Is that wrong? I mean, you would think that there would be an issue just hanging out in that. I'm not sure, honestly. Uh, I want to say I've seen other people exposed. I mean, yeah, I know it's Apollo and people like that, but uh, I'm not sure, honestly. <laughs> Fair enough. I'll go with uh, it's a comment argument. <laughs> it's a comic <laughs> argument. I guess. There's lots of arguments for this issue. So, <laughs> so you know, his his new friend, Warwick, who, you know, this time up around... You know, he established that uh, he kept he has been rescuing Grifter from the Daemonites each time, and and I guess reintroducing himself each time. So now they're like buddy buddy. So yes, who know. I will point out after you listen to the last episode is not wearing from Wetworks. Sorry, is oh <laughs> no, that's fine. I mean. I will say that he's wearing shoes this time, I think, or are those still his socks? Because he was he was a uh, barefoot when he rescued Rifter, which I always thought was kind of funny. He's supposed to be this like crazy homeless guy. 
But anyway, so they're coming up with this. Oh, wait. Let's talk real quick about this. The uh, Titan Throat from Clark's Bar had to bring this to my attention. I didn't realize in the Superman annual that we reviewed last month that apparently Hellspawn killed all the Daemonites on Earth. (laughs) You know, I was just reading that thread, and I didn't catch that either. So is that actually what we're supposed to get out of that? I mean, according to this, because basically that's Grifter's argument here. He's like, what... What else is there to do? He's like, uh, Hellspawn kind of, let me read it exactly. It says, uh, you know, seems to me Flamehead already did our dirty work for us when he took out all the Daemonauts on Earth, no? And it says, see Superman Annual number one. <laughs> ah, interesting. I mean, I took it that he took out all the sleeper agents, you know, like the ones that were possessing people, not all of them. <laughs> so that's kind of like... I don't know. We'll, we'll get into that later. There's a lot wow. to discuss. Yeah, that's really... Oh. Yeah, and, and uh, Titanthrope had some really interesting theories about that, or, or Ray, or what, one of the ones from Clark's Bar, I forgot, but we'll go over that later. So anyway... Wait, so. before we get there, this dude's hair changes like five times in these first three pages. Who, Warwick? Just, yeah, just point oh. that out. It's really annoying. <laughs> it's back. It's forward. It's back. It's forward. I don't know what it is. Maybe he's very intense when they're talking about this. I guess. It basically tells Grifter that, you know, there's a conspiracy of a, like a global cabal that, you know, that uh, is basically like helping the Daemonites. And he mentions a couple of established DC organizations like Argus and Shade and um, also brings up Star Labs and tells Grifter, you know, to break into there and they'll get some more uh, information from their databases and remember star labs because this is where the confusion starts <laughs> so. uh, yes is he breaking into Stormwatch? <laughs> so here's here we go so next we see grifter in a hallway which you would assume is the eye of the storm <laughs> but there's guards there's people that him, oh, and by the way, Voodoo shows up. And uh, <laughs> and she's cross-eyed. <laughs> I was going to let that one go, but since you brought it up, yes. You know, oh, wait, I, and her Daemonite-type arms are like sleeves because they have like a little ring edge between the skin and, yeah. <laughs> it's like a Halloween costume. Yeah, I didn't notice that at first, but anyway... <laughs> You know, I usually like Merritt Michaels stuff. I don't know what he was doing with her. Because he still does a badass grifter, that's for sure. I just love the grifter. I mean, the grifter yeah, the grifter looks awesome. Yeah, so. Anyway, so there's, you know, guards here that, um, you know, grifter refers to as random cops. And, you know, they're, you know, telling her, you know, keep them alive. You know, don't hurt them. You know, they've got families, blah, blah, blah. And so that threw me off because I'm like, okay, Storm, Eye of the Storm does not have anybody on it except for the Stormwatch members. I mean, that's pretty well established. So I would assume that this is Star Labs <laughs> because this is where he goes and he downloads all the data and you know gives Voodoo a quick kiss before he goes and uses their teleporter. And here's where I got confused. I'm like, okay, so he uses their teleporter. And ends up on the outside of the Eye of the Storm. <laughs> so I didn't know if this was supposed to show us where he was at the beginning of the issue. And because then he's back inside all of a sudden. 
and you know we finally have the the reappearance of uh is it Chuck or Charlie? What's the Damonite consciousness? Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, Charlie. Yeah, Chuck. So he finally makes a reappearance, not even, but not in his own book. <laughs> so, so he's here basically taunting Grifter and you know what, asking him what are you doing and in here and blah 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 and and he decides to send Apollo after Grifter and Grifter um, takes a punch to the face from Apollo <laughs> and survives. <laughs> I don't know how. I, mean, I like Grifter, but. <laughs> You know, he, yeah. <laughs> Even with his Team 7 powers, he, he He's could the chosen one. Yeah. Let me, well, let me back up. Even with his chosen one powers, <laughs> <laughs> unless he created like a telekinetic shield or something in front of his face. That's right, I just went that nerdy. <laughs> <laughs> so he survives. And then we get to the part that was much debated at Clark's Bar here. <laughs> Where he literally pulls this Harry Potter wand thing. Yeah, what? Where did that come from? <laughs> or like somebody, I think it was Ray, was like, she was like, um, it's the pool cleaning. You know, it looks like a pool, uh, what you clean pools with. Yeah, I'm really not going to say what that euphemism looks like. <laughs> yeah, no, they went into that too. <laughs> and basically he sets Apollo on fire. Which, you know, since Apollo's powers are based on the sun, <laughs> you would think wouldn't affect him. <laughs> you would think. <laughs> but apparently, you know, he's got something in his eye in this one panel. <laughs> I think it's fire. <laughs> you see him rub his eye. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just oh, it's so bad. <laughs> I, I just can't make excuses for this title anymore. <laughs> You know, it's like, this is why, like you said, you know, you're like, this title has to die. Well, I thought your review, your written review was a little nicer than it could have been. Because <laughs> this is where you start skipping into no backgrounds and stuff because, yeah, where are they? Who knows? Who cares? Let's just put them in it. Yeah. So he just, he, he tasers Apollo. <laughs> That's right. I said he tasers Apollo. <laughs> Don't tase me, bro. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Then he runs over and starts downloading information and brings up information about Amanda Waller, who we will know later as we review that uh, you know she's an old Team 7 member, so that's how they know each other. Another floating head. They couldn't even use <laughs> another panel of her in another book. I know, right? Ah! <laughs> and then um, Midnighter, of course, comes to uh, Andrew's rescue. <laughs> I forget that Apollo's real name is Andrew. It's Andrew and Luke- Lucas. And Midnighter is freaked out to see that Grifter's still alive because he's like, well, I killed you. And it's like, well, yeah, that's, that wasn't me. You know, of course, Grifter's still trying to keep the jokes up. And so, of course, he gets off a couple of shots on Midnighter, which do nothing. And and um, here he does use his telekinesis to do a TK punch against Midnighter, <laughs> which I have to admit, it, that's pretty... Okay, <laughs> because you're—I would rather it be that than you trying to convince me that he actually landed a punch on Midnighter. <laughs> yes, at least they admitted it. Yeah, so, so you know, at that point he gets away, and Midnighter jumps into the portal after him, and Apollo, with a dumbfounded look on his face, is like Midnighter, and then that's the end of that. And apparently, 
uh, Grifter and Midnighter are going to end up in Paris because the next issue says Midnight in Paris. So, anyway, I really don't want to talk anymore about this issue. <laughs> okay. No, but I will say this. No, no, I will say this because there were some interesting theories about all of this. Because, like, Titan Throw was saying that that whole thing about, you know, Hellspawn killing all the Daemonites on Earth could have been one of the rewrites. Because, you know, as we remember, we talked about there was supposed to be a crossover that Liefeld talked about that was going to be, you know, Grifter, Voodoo, Hawkman, Deathstroke, all his titles, and Superman. And it's going to involve Hellspawn and the Daemonites. Well, the Superman camp said no. And then basically they were about to get rid of Liefeld. So it seems to me that. And the other guys at, at the Clark, at Clark's bar that they rewrote it to where it's like we've gotten rid of the Daemonite threat for now because we basically have canceled this crossover because we've gotten rid of Grifter and Voodoo who would have been two big players in that. Obviously, Jim Lee's going to do Man of Steel, so we're not going to really push the Wildcats right now. So basically, all of this seems to be an undoing of the fact that they didn't want to, or that the titles are selling bad, so they weren't going to do a big crossover and then be like, oh, the titles are canceled, which is funny because that's kind of what happened with Frankenstein, since he's part of the Rot World crossover that's going on right now, but his title's going away. <laughs> so so that's that's kind of the summary of why I think all this mess has happened. <laughs> but obviously, it's just a theory, but... I say it's a pretty strong one. <laughs> no, no, that's that's fine. It just it seems crazy to me. Like I get that okay, halfway through the year they started saying, "Oh, we're going to do it in waves so that they had an excuse for canceling titles and bringing on new titles and so forth." And that's fine. But to kill an entire race of villains, which were badass villains and just completely wipe them out just is frustrating and annoying. Ah, uh, whatever. I this title has to go, in my opinion. I'm sorry, Jill. It, it <laughs> for a long time. It, the whole like, if you go back, and I want to do this. I will force myself to do this over a lot of alcohol. <laughs> go back and reread all 16 issues at one seventeen, I guess, with the zero issue straight through, and just just to see how terribly disconnected each and every issue is and, oh. <laughs> well you know i mean i'm already kind of doing that because i do get the trade so i read you know issues one through eight in the first trade and then we'll get one more trade that'll end all of it which i assume they'll squeeze all the issue these last few issues in one trade which will be about nine issues i think they may as well so the la- just before we go that last page terrible like grifter looks bad in it and apollo looks even worse and i know he was clocked and everything but still <laughs> just looks really bad and dumb on my own part i didn't get that that was uh charlie the consciousness of stormwatch i don't know why i just it didn't dawn on me that that's what that was or maybe i just i didn't reread this one right before we started so i just yeah, remember that that's what that was. So, and it's one of those things like stuff like that. If you haven't been reading Stormwatch, which you would have to assume most people have that are reading this, but you wouldn't know what that is. So. No, you really wouldn't. No, <laughs> not at all. All right, moving on. <laughs> uh, <laughs> next up, we have Ravagers number five, which was also released on October tenth, written by Howard Mackey with art and cover by Ian Churchill. Um, this issue starts out. Uh, beneath the streets of Los Angeles in the safe house that Niles brought them to, all of the Ravagers. And um, also with them is Superboy, 
uh, who showed up after, you know, basically during Superboy 13. So if you didn't pick that up to read him, his search for Caitlin, you know, it'd be a good idea to read that briefly before this, but... Oh, so that know. so that was something significant because I didn't. No, no, no. It just I mean that's why he's here. So because he so showed he, up at the end of Ravagers number four, remember? Oh, I guess he did, but it it's kind of the connection between the two why he was like searching her out and stuff like that. Oh, okay. Because they never really explained that in the last issue. He just showed up. So, um, so basically that issue he kind of shows why he was searching her out he's i'll get into it a little bit more <laughs> okay no that's it's cool. awesome. just, yeah i, I it's, just didn't go get that issue so i wasn't sure not, it's it's not really that important honestly it, and he explains himself later on in this issue anyway so basically what we're uh where we're at is in his safe house and ridge and tara and peace boy and thunder and caitlin and superboy are all kind of hanging out in uh I guess the entry or whatever. I don't know where they're at, but they're in his safe house. And, you know, Niles is talking about his place and, and Ridge kind of walks off as he's talking. Cause he wants to, Niles wants to show him his lab, their, his labs basically and everything. And, and he basically walks them right into this big open room and he calls it the arena and right away, everybody's, on edge and and really mad and and ticked off at Niles because you know this is basically <laughs> the nowhere facility and and the facility that Harvest had because that's what he called the arena in, in the big Cullen crossover. So <laughs> so everybody's pissed off and all these kids you know after just having fought their way out of that facility and having fought. Uh, against the blood brother and, and everything, you know, they're, they need a little bit of relaxation and uh, to feel safe. And right away he tees them off with that, that word. So that's funny. Uh, also another person that can't seem to keep their hair straight or their facial hair straight is Niles in this issue. Cause back and forth in these first couple pages, he either has facial hair or he doesn't, <laughs> not really sure. Yeah, I thought that this was all Ian Churchill, but apparently there is two different artists on here. So that was kind of a bummer because I really was missing his art. <laughs> so after Ian uh, ticks all the kids off, he's pretty much up front with Caitlin, and he's like, you know, hey, I I want to treat these kids as the weapons they are. You know, <laughs> that that Harvest created. You know, not not the children that they think they are or something like that. And he pisses off Caitlin at that statement and he calls her cat, which annoys her even more because she doesn't like being called that by the way, even though she was called that in the old Wildstorm universe and didn't seem to annoy her at that point. As far as I can remember, no, her new nickname is red. That's why she don't like it. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> um, Maybe that's from us calling her that or something on the podcast. And the guys were like, hey, quit calling her that. Um, and at this point, Superboy interrupts her and wants to talk to Fairchild or Red. Um, because he's going through some stuff on his own and needs some answers. And she is just... 
Uh, not the right timing, buddy, at all. Obviously, doesn't understand all the tension that's going on around him. Um, Sometimes guys just can't take a hint. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, um, so this annoys her enough to to take a swing at him and just toss him across the room, and right away his uh, his TK ability goes off as you know he tells her right away, hey, this is what I'm talking about. This is what I need uh, help with. My, I can't seem to control my temper these days. And, and this is why he was seeking her out, because he wants to know what's wrong with him, basically. And now we get a couple of pages of fighting. <laughs> and, and he even says, hey, it's okay if you want to take your aggression out on me, go ahead. But uh, I want some answers. So this is called fighting it out, children. <laughs> So if you ever see your parents like destroying the living room, <laughs> it's okay. They're just working things out. <laughs> so during this fight convo, um, a couple things happen. Uh, Caitlin tells him why she got into the Superboy project, and it was to protect him. Um, and we also learn that her fatal character flaw is her bleeding heart. Oh, isn't that nice? <laughs> and another thing is we get the classic uh, Caitlin in a fight loses all her clothes shtick. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> and she loses her like teacher outfit this time. Right. <laughs> did you notice this... she went out school teacher there for whatever reason? <laughs> I did, yeah. It was nice. It was cute. I liked it. Um, but she, this time she doesn't have like nearly nothing underneath. She has her normal purple and green uh swimming leotard on so not as fun but, <laughs> <laughs> maybe you know that happened a lot at the nowhere facility like yeah we need to keep something under those clothes all the time <laughs> right um so a, a quick jump to elsewhere in the facility outside of the arena obviously those kids didn't want to stay in that area um the other kids are kind of arguing and as they're doing that thunder starts screaming out and uh <laughs> With a nice big yarg, <laughs> and uh, some, some, <laughs> maybe he's part pirate. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, this did come out in late September, October, so <laughs> just in time for talk like a pirate day. That's right. Uh, <laughs> so he's losing control of his powers, or something's going on, and and the kids are kind of freaked out. But we go back to the arena, and this is the end of the fight. Caitlin doesn't have her schoolgirl outfit anymore. And she... It uh, was a teacher outfit, oh, not a schoolgirl. <laughs> sorry. My bad. <laughs> Maybe we'll get a schoolgirl outfit later, but, you know, she is older in the DCU for whatever reason, so... That's right. Sorry. <laughs> so, this is the end of the fight. Um, Superboy has obviously beaten her, but she's still able to easily talk to her, him about it. it she's like, because his powers don't affect her, you know? I don't even really understand how this was happening. I think they were just kind of bouncing off each other, really. <laughs> but it's a... great, because it, it ends with her in like that classic defeated pose. Oh my god, jeez. <laughs> um, but basically, Fairchild um, can't give Superboy the answers that he wants or he needs. Um, and that's how it ends. <laughs> What the issue? No, it doesn't. <laughs> no, 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 no. I just mean that fight, which is ridiculous. So they kind of give up the fight, and I guess they're tired. I don't know. Um, and then uh, Nile worked it out. Yeah, right. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> and then Niles calls for uh, Doctor Fairchild, which is funny because 
one of the kids is like, she's a doctor. Um, and he calls code alpha code red alpha, which may mean, you know, something with her name. Cause she's called red. Uh, I don't know. Something very bad is what I took it to be. <laughs> <laughs> right. Obviously. Uh, and Superboy flies her right to them. And basically to help out with thunder. And this is where the kids start arguing about trusting her and trusting each other and, and trusting Superboy and all that he's done. And, you know, these issues, they all have, you know, certain things that they talk about, especially with, you know, these kids being kids themselves and, and the torture that they've went through and trusting each other. And Superboy decides to help out Thunder and, and Ridge is kind of freaking out about that because he obviously doesn't trust Superboy. And Caitlin, you know, pulls Ridge aside and tells him that, uh, you know, they can all make their own choices now. She's not their mother. And obviously she's having issues since, yeah, breaking these kids out of the nowhere facility that she's not able to keep them under control. And I guess she's sick of being thought of as their mother and Superboy talks to the kids before he goes to help thunder and says, Hey, you know, you guys are more of a family than I will ever know. You know, I you know, was basically grown in a test tube, so I don't know what it's like, but you guys got something good going on. So they're all honestly, torn at even being concerned about thunder to begin with because they're they were trained to you know be individualists and and to take care of themselves on their own but you know they're still scared to lose thunder after just losing their sister lightning just an issue or two ago so we skip over to like thunder is like coding and and niles takes some fancy looking headphones (laughs) puts him over his head and zaps him with sound waves and shuts down the supposed kill switch that was embedded in his brain uh, by Harvest. And they make this assumption that Harvest implanted that same kill switch into all of them and realize that they can't remove it without killing them or probably can't. And that all that they can really do is slow it down. Uh, But when they found all this out miraculously (laughs) um the device had markings for colony number 18 which i i don't know if that number has any significance it doesn't seem to but it would have been epic if it would have been colony number 13 in my opinion but whatever um (laughs) they still haven't answered the question about who the 13 that they talked about in the beginning so (laughs) right exactly um anyways they're assuming that because of this number that there are more colonies out there and that harvest is scooping up more innocent kids and, and adding them and trying to create more ravagers out of them. So with that knowledge that they've just so quickly ascertained through who knows what scientific methods that they have there, uh, Ridge, uh, is very upset about this new knowledge. This is brand new information. Um, he leads the charge and asks Fairchild if he is with them to take down Nom, Omen, Lash, and all the other wretched people working for Harvest, and that they're going to regret turning them into the Ravagers. Dang it. <laughs> <laughs> and then they say, engage, just like the old 
Wildcats cartoon, which is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> he was calling for the simulator in the arena to engage. So oh. they were trying to be clever about how they did that. <laughs> eh, it was classic superhero stuff, and uh, I love the pose and everything. At least that was this was Ian Churchill doing this pose, and Ridge, you know, got rid of his uh, striped t collar t shirt. So, <laughs> oh, I really liked his uh, little rugby outfit he had on. Was, was, this is really odd. That's like one of those classic things where they dress him up in that, and he's able to just walk around in public normal, and nobody, you know, notices because he's wearing a regular t shirt. So exactly, yeah. <laughs> Uh, not the best issue, but whatever. I mean, I actually had more fun with this than I did with Stormwatch, believe it or not, just because I, I was just like, I don't know. It did have a lot of kind of funny, kind of very cliche, classic comic stuff, like the whole fighting while we talk. <laughs> <laughs> so I was just like, okay. But it, it, it was kind of weird because you did get the sense that he had to hurry up and wrap this up for the trade, I guess. Cause even though it's issue five, because they had issue zero, that's six issues. So it just kind of felt like they had to, like that's the end of the trade, you know? <laughs> I thought it was okay. I just missed the muscle men. They were so cool. <laughs> yeah. This title's had a lot of interruptions like that, you know, like just, I think uh, and I've heard a lot of people online talk about that. They, they feel like this title's not getting its footing because of that. You know, like, uh, supposedly this was supposed to have a tie into Rot World, but other than the fact that Beast Boy's in it and he's part of the Red, you know, they didn't really mention anything. Well, it was going in that direction with Brother Blood, and then it just kind of ended quickly. And it, yeah, it's, it seems like it's stuttering in weird ways. Yeah, so hopefully the new writer will bring some interest on, because if not, this one's going to go right real quick. <laughs> so. And we don't need any more titles to disappear right now. <laughs> yeah, it's getting a little sketchy. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, I'm still enjoying Ravagers, and uh, it it's definitely a fun book. I, I, I kind of, like I said, I wish Ian Churchill would just stay on it. I, I, it seems like he's going to go away, obviously, eventually. But, I mean, I just really like his art, and it was definitely appropriate for this title, so... We'll see what uh, what happens next with Ravagers. Now let's get on to another one that <laughs> I was really looking forward to, but uh, I'd be interested to discuss this with you here. <laughs> um, <laughs> I feel like I just read this one. <laughs> <laughs> you probably just did. <laughs> so you have Team 7 number 1, which was released on October the 10th. It was written by Justin Jordan with art by Jesus Marino and covered by Doug Monkey. You know, obviously, you know, we already talked about the Zero issue last month, and, you know, we're excited to have Team 7 in the DCU, period. And, you know, the Zero issue did exactly what it was supposed to do. I mean, it uh, set up the characters, it uh, brought them all together. Um, so it was just a pretty straightforward Zero issue. Now, with issue number one... It basically is a straightforward issue number one. <laughs> so it's kind of like I got the feeling like we almost got the same issue tw twice, just two different settings, I guess. Because um, basically, you know, it picks up directly from zero where, you know, the team's assembled and they're in the Team 7 jet or <laughs> spaceship or whatever it is. And they're about to uh, uh, go to a 
floating prison called the float. <laughs> That's this huge cloud city type facility where they've been keeping the uh, superpowered beings that have not been as nice as the Justice League was when they first debuted. <laughs> so, so apparently they're getting no response from this stay, uh, from this prison. So their goal is to infiltrate it and find out what's going on. So these ships. Mm-hmm. The Team 7 ship? Isn't that straight out of G.I. Joe of some sort? <laughs> no, but it's very reminiscent. <laughs> and this uh, high-security cloud facility. Isn't that a Pokeball? Pokemon ball of some sort? <laughs> <laughs> That's where they keep all the rogue Pokemon, you know? <laughs> Just checking. <laughs> I'm trying to, to be. <laughs> is it objective or subjective? What is? It? <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I'm being subjective. You're being objective. Anyway, this is um, it's just very classic, kind of like old school comics. You know, is what this is. And I know some people like that, but I I just uh, I just can't do that. I don't know. I've read too much modern stuff and. And unless it was a title that was supposed to, uh, how do I say it, give off that sense of a classic title, uh, then maybe I'd accept it more. But this one just got so many things, you know. I mean, like I said last month, I've just never been a fan of Jesus Marino's art. You know, we I did read a little bit of the his opening Superman stuff, and... You know, I just kind of feel like this title needs something strong. You know, right now the big draw for this title, why I think people are really giving it a chance, is because of what it says on the cover. You know, the secret history of the New 52 is told here. You know, and I'm sure they're going to answer a lot of questions about these characters because, you know, you know you've got a, a, a pretty cool cast. You know, you got, you know, Black Canary, Deathstroke, Grifter. You know, we don't have Steve Trevor yet, but he knows he's, we know he's coming. You know, you got Lynch. And then you've got the you know the other people that uh, Justin Jordan said that they are not going to be cannon fodder, <laughs> so so that's good to know. <laughs> but uh, you know we get this big action sequence where apparently the the floats defenses were supposed to be inoperable, and and they of course they are operational, and so they they start shooting at the Team Seven ship, and so the members decide that they have to do a free fall into the station basically. And um, so that's what they do. And in the middle of this, they almost lose Black Canary's husband, Kurt. And uh, so he falls over the side. And then, um, see, this is where we um, we start doing the, like, everybody gets named. <laughs> like, Lynch is basically doing a uh, after-mission report, and we're listening to it. Hey, I'm glad he is, and I know it's dumb that we're getting introduced a second time, but I still don't know all these dudes' names. And thank goodness Iron Man's here, because <laughs> that guy would be gone already. Yeah, because I was thinking, that's, that's, I was just looking for Lynch's comment, that's James Bronson, you know. <laughs> so, I know Iron Man, although he does make a Superman reference, did you catch that? Because he's like, I got you, Lance, and he's like, that's great, but who's got you? Oh, that's totally nice. from the 1978 Superman. So James Bronson. So yeah, you see, that, that's the thing. That's why I'm so torn about this issue. I'm like, okay, it's a number one. Yes, we do have to do this, you know, because, okay, not everybody would have picked up the zero issue. So it's, 
I don't know. It's kind of it's it's very borderline for me on that one. But you know, let's see how issue two goes before we really say anything about it. But but you know, everybody everybody gets their chance to talk basically, and everybody gets to show off their personality. You know, of course, Deathstroke is basically like, yeah, you should have let him fall. You know, as a liability. Blah blah. blah. And Amanda Waller, you know, is like, no, we need to take care of everybody, and we get a nice little interaction between Grifter and Fairchild. You know, Fairchild's father here, Alex, which was kind of cool to see two old Wallstorm characters talking again. And um, so after they kind of argue about, uh, you know, what to do next, Grifter decides to take the initiative and uh, blow a hole in the uh, in the float, <laughs> so they can head on inside. So, so that that was pretty cool. That's uh, someone who was telling me that somebody said that they liked the Grifter in this. In this series so far, much better than they do in the, the regular series. <laughs> well, I, I don't know, but so far, if you can just ignore all of Grifter, I would agree with that statement so far. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because remember, according to Liefeld, he's an important character. DC wants to push him, so they do so by putting Liefeld on there and kill his title. So. <laughs> But at least he's still here, so he'll hopefully still be around by the time they do launch a Wildcats title. Speaking of Grifter, really quick, I know that I'm cutting you off here, but I don't remember in the Zero issue, did he have a weird elastic headband at the top of his mask? I'm not sure, honestly. And I'm assuming it's elastic, but there's like a black band on the top of his mask in every panel. And I'm like, where did this come from? <laughs> well, a little little tidbit to follow that up, according to Brett Booth, on Twitter, I was talking to him. He said that uh, everybody draws the grifter mask wrong, he says. <laughs> so, I guess, according to him, only him and Jim Lee do it right. <laughs> well, they better get on it, because... I know. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. I guess it is. Well, it's definitely a headband, because I'm looking at this scene where he drops down in the next page, and it definitely goes around his head. So, uh, it, honestly, that that's the way the mask is supposed to be. It's just not supposed to be black. It's supposed to be red. So, I've never noticed that before. <laughs> so obviously it was a big change because it wouldn't have jumped out at me like that. Sorry, yeah. I digress. No, they just keep changing stuff. Remember Grifter's armor? It's all red. Oh, I know it's red. It's <laughs> annoying me. But at least he got the green pouches. So. But uh, so they uh, they come down into the float and they find a surviving. I guess looks like a medical doctor. She's all bloody and. So uh, they're trying to ask her what happened, and then in the middle of that, she all of a sudden turns into what we already know by this list. It's, it's she's possessed by Eclipso, so because <laughs> she's got the whole half blue face thing going on, and she tries to attack Lance. And after Lance kicks her, and James Bronson grabs her by the neck and smacks her around, and then <laughs> the whole team decides to unload on her. <laughs> so so much for the civilian. But uh, after that, there's a huge crash, and there's basically an uh, an army of Eclipso zombies, I guess you could say. And that's the end of the issue. <laughs> As we get ready for Darkness Falls, next issue is what it says. So, so again, I mean, I was definitely, I mean, it's a, it's a decent issue and you know with the whole introductions and all that but i really just want to get on with it already you know 
I, I now I you know I said last time that I maybe I'd appreciate the zero issue more after reading issue one. Well, now maybe I'll appreciate issue one after reading issue two. <laughs> and hopefully, I won't have to keep saying that until issue like six. <laughs> if this title does what it's supposed to do, I'm hoping that it'll make me do a lot of research because I don't really know who Eclipso is that much. Um, so. I'm probably going to have to go out and check that out. But if this title continues, it should skip through a lot of really cool historical things that I'm hoping that I'm going to have to go back and double check. Yeah. So. Yeah. Cause based on the solicit so far, the, 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 the most significant things that are going to come out from these first few issues is that Eclipse was introduced into the new 52 and Deathstroke, uh, supposedly starts turning evil, which it's kind of quick, in my opinion, but hey, maybe that's maybe that's part of what really happened. I don't know. Based on what we've seen so far, that's all I noticed. All right, some other Wildstorm sightings and tie-ins this month. Speaking of Deathstroke, we have Deathstroke number 13, which released on October 10th. And this has another Zealot cameo. Um, the solicit promised a lot of info about Kara, um, the planet that the Karaboom came from but it obviously changed with Liefeld's departure. And, uh, you know, Voodoo writer Josh Williamson scripted this issue, and he says he's also doing number 14 as well. And Joe actually asked him on Twitter about the Kara change, and he said that Liefeld gave it to him with Kara, the Kara plot already removed. So instead, um, Zealot's little cameo was basically just a booty call this issue. So. <laughs> I know. I was like, oh my God. Have so, if you want to so pick much. this issue up, that's all it is. <laughs> <laughs> no, it has the awesome character called Deadborn. Yes. <laughs> Who had to have been a life thing. <laughs> it's not Deadpool. It's not, yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. All right. Also up, well, I may as well go into the upcoming Wildstorm releases for next month. Um, November 7th, we have Stormwatch number 14. Uh, November 14th, this is the the meat of the Wildstorm month, uh, is Grifter number 14, Ravagers number 6, Deathstroke number 14, if Zealot is actually in it, which I'm not really sure she's going to be after that last issue. She just had that tiny little... Uh, She's going to run away and regret it, you know, now. <laughs> kind of the, yes. the next morning regrets. <laughs> um, and we also have Team 7, number 2. Um, not sure about this one, but November 28th, we have the Savage Hawkman, number 14. And the only reason I mention it, because the Pike issue really never got resolved, as far as I understood. So I don't know where he's going well, because as of as of recording this, because of our new recording schedule, we don't get to see the last month uh, anymore. So, like, we're going to be telling people about Savage Hawkman number thirteen next time, whether or not Pike's in there or not. Um, I will say that they've posted a preview of I Vampire number thirteen, and Stormwatch is in there. Good, good. Sorry, sorry, we didn't delay everybody, but we're going to record second weekend now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, and remember that all these books are available digitally either through DC Comics website or comicsology.com day and date every Wednesday. Sorry, forgot about that. No. <laughs> it's fine. 
And just a couple of quick shout-outs. Be sure and check out Chris Stryker's Stormwatch site, which is uh, stormwatch.ws. There is no www. And remember to visit the Higher Authorities message board, Clark Sparrow, to continue to discuss the Wildstorm integration among some long-time Wildstorm fans, which uh, does get a little heated sometimes, <laughs> as with some of these issues were last month. Sure does. And that's at uh, theauthority.ws uh, also no www and it's also linked from our site and be sure to check out our friends of the show the image addiction podcast as they cover new releases from image comics and they actually just hit a milestone themselves because they just did episode number 75 so congratulations to those guys i know that they've been through a lot of changes they don't have i mean chris parton and michael smith are still around in different capacities but they're not on the same show anymore, but they were for this one, so it was kind of funny. He was playing the uh, reunited song. <laughs> I was like, I told him, I was like, yeah, picture you guys slow dancing to this. <laughs> nice. And uh, also check out our other friends of the show, the Only the Valiant podcast, as they cover the newly relaunched Valiant comics, uh, which current titles include Exo Man of War, Harbinger, Bloodshot, Archer and Armstrong, and coming in November, a new Shadowman title, which I'm definitely picking up all of those. And um, I also want to mention, I, I, I chose not to mention this last uh, podcast because I wasn't sure. So it's just, you know, we probably won't get this out before I, I'm there, but I, I will be at Wizard World Austin uh, the last weekend of October. The reason I was so up in the air about it is because I was going to do what I did last year and share a table with an artist friend of mine, uh, but that's not going to happen. So I will still be there, and I'm going to try to get some sort of uh, coverage. Uh, I mean, nothing like what we're doing here, obviously, but I know Paul Jenkins is going to be there, so I may talk to him about his Stormwatch run if I can get five minutes from him. <laughs> and from Only the Valiant, uh, one of the hosts, uh, Chiclo, is going to be there. So you know, I'll see if I can get to talk to him and maybe record something with him. So if he has time, him and his wife are big Star Trek fans, and they bought the big ticket to see the Next Generation cast. So nice, yeah. So that's going to be pretty cool. And uh, so anyway, so if you see me, I'll have my Wildstorm Addiction shirt on at least one of those days. And if not, well, I'll just have to see y'all next time. So. <laughs> But uh, anyway, our contact info, uh, you can find me on uh, twitter.com backslash grifter78. You can find us both at the Wildstorm Resource Wiki. Uh, I'm a grifter78 there, and Ben is yoyomaster146. And you can find the podcast on Twitter at twitter.com backslash wildstormaddict. And you can email us at wildstormaddiction at gmail.com or check out our Facebook fan page or Google Plus page. And we're also now on Stitcher where you can listen to us on your iPhone Android phone, Kindle Fire, and other devices with Stitcher, which you can find your in your app store or find at Stitcher.com. So, well, kind of a you know bittersweet episode because because <laughs> of just the titles and the cancellations and whatnot. But you know what? We're just going to keep going and keep enjoying what we have. So, oh, poor Joe. <laughs> I know, right? Hey, at least they're not canceling an entire universe like they did last time. <laughs> No, I mean I feel bad too. I'm I'm just as annoyed. Like Grifter's honestly one of my top three characters of the Wildstorm universe, and the fact that they just wrote them so terribly for over a year just annoys me to no end. So, oh, trust me. Yeah, yeah. I'd like to give him to me. <laughs> I will take much better care of him. 
Oh, be sure, speaking of Grifter, check out, we have a lot of stuff in our news section uh, of some of the upcoming Heroclix uh, figures, and also did a our first ever video review, if you didn't catch it, uh, of the um, of the Grifter Eagle Moth figure, which was pretty cool. And so, I mean, if we ever have other things to do, video reviews for, I'll definitely do that again in the future, so... Got a, got a little bit of feedback on that. So Yeah, thanks for doing it, man. But other than that, I guess we can call it a night. <laughs> All right, you crazy cats. We'll see you next month. So have you uh, been able to check out Arrow yet on the CW? No, I saw they had the uh, first episode for free, but I didn't get a chance to watch it. Is it any good? Yeah, it's not bad. It's not bad, and you know, it's on that same Smallville vein. You know, the it's the teeny bopper channel. So <laughs> yeah, I noticed the Arrow shirtless a lot in the. Oh front, yeah, of, so. course. <laughs> of course. You know, if they really did want Grifter to be super important, there was that quick crossover with Green Arrow. Um, you know, last year in their titles, so it would be kind of epic to see a live action grifter in that show. Just oh yeah, saying. just saying. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna take some uh, some extra. I don't know what <laughs> Jim Jim Lee or something. It's like you got Liefeld a job, you can totally do this. Well, they're putting Deathstroke in the show, so it's not not too far off. Did you have a good birthday? Yeah, that was really good. Um, we had a lot of fun. So Good, after you got done crying. I know, right? <laughs> that's why I had the party early. <laughs> hey, that's okay. Whenever I went to my last major con, which was NYCC, they canceled Wildstorm. So. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why DC hates us. <laughs> I really do. <laughs> October is like the worst time to be a Wildstorm fan. <laughs> That's funny. Oh, well. We'll see what happens next. (laughs)